0: How do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman.
1: Welcome to this edition to the 2020s Enterprise. Uh, The title of the program today is Enabling Business Strategy in the Hyper-Competitive Digital World. Say that fast three times at a cocktail conversation. You can check your sobriety. But in all uh, honesty, it's a very, very important topic. And enabling business strategy is something we've been trying to do for decades, if not uh, centuries, in enterprises and business and organizations, both public and private. Uh, whether you're a, a, a public organization or a charity or things like that, there's a strategy that you have. And in the world that we're in today, in this hyper-competitive world that has digitization where distance and time is has essentially dropped to zero, things have to change a little bit. But just like everything else, there's always these miracles that people suggest to us And that's really the essence of this particular show, and and not only this episode, but our whole thing here, bringing some method to the madness that's out there. And uh, if you start looking at some of the things that are very popular nowadays, uh, public reports are now stating that 84 percent, 84 percent of digital transformation projects, however that's defined, are failing to deliver their expected benefits, 84%. Yeah, we keep doing this because it's a popular concept. Uh, With a bit of humor in my voice, I call it the signed purchase order strategy to things. Once we sign a purchase order, declare success. Yes, that's the approach. Because it's very difficult for any of us, all of us, me, you, anybody, to say, you know what, I just spent $100 million and maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. Or maybe I spent $100,000 and it wasn't the right thing to do. So this is the problem we're having right now. There is this sort of like herd mentality that says, well, everybody's doing this and we're spending all this money. Uh, it must be the right thing to do. But if we look at this statistic, this isn't the first time we've seen this. Organizations, unfortunately, once again, are looking for, as it's sometimes called, the magic silver bullet or the silver bullet. The technological magic or the magic pill that will magically and mystically transform the organization into a 2020s enterprise by Monday morning. Just snap your fingers and all of a sudden it's going to happen. Well, fortunately, fortunately, a significant number of organizations are stepping back for just a moment, not for very long, not for decades or years, just a, a month or two max and really thinking Before signing their next purchase order. What a welcome and refreshing situation we're observing that's out there. Just sit back for a moment and say, what the heck is actually happening out there? And let's trace for just a moment all of the failed magic that we've tried. Maybe there's some tried and true approaches that we should be looking at. So in this episode of 2020's Enterprise, we'll review what strategy actually is. Not to be insulting in any way from that word or what you may understand, but just to focus on the word and what it actually means. It's just more than implementing a new technology. That's really what we have to understand with all the phrases that are going out there. From this base, we'll then look at what is a time-tested approach to enable an organization strategy. Especially in the age of virtually continuous change, and the hyper-competitive environment we are all in. We've got to consider that there is no sort of stopping that's here. Either you're a leader or a follower. And as some people joke, second place is first loser. Some of us may say, well, that's not too bad either. Well, eventually, the first place individual or group or technique or process or method may make you virtually irrelevant, And this is what we have to think about. We're either leading or we're starting to fall behind more and more and more. It's hard to catch up. It really is hard to catch up. And this is something that we need to understand in this hyper-competitive environment we're in. Well, what is this word strategy? I'm going to take you back approximately plus or minus a few years, about 2,400 years for just a moment, and talk to you about Sun Tzu. Somebody that a lot of organizations, a lot of executives, and a lot of people, frankly, in the military look at from a strategy perspective. Sun Tzu, the book, has been uh, translated into many, many, many languages. And even though it's a war analogy, I'm not suggesting this is what I'm trying to look at right now. But it is something that we have to look at is, is success and defeat. It's a competitive environment. And we have to look at it as a competitive environment. And I'm just using Sun Tzu's, some of his work to give you an idea that this isn't something new. It's been around for quite some time. And Sun Tzu said, again, 2,400 years ago, when your strategy is deep and far reaching, then what you gain by your calculations is much. So you can win before you even fight. Isn't that a fascinating thing? If you have a deep and far-reaching explicit strategy, then what you gain by your calculations is much. You can win before you even fight. In other words, coming out of the gate, there's a confidence level that's built. When your strategic thinking is shallow and nearsighted, then what you gain by your calculations is little. So you lose before you do battle. This is what we hear sometimes about a high level of detail. I love that phrase. It doesn't even make any sense when you think about it. What does it mean to have a high level of detail? There's either detail or not. I don't even know if that phrase is. Well, we don't have enough time. We've got to get the code out the door if you're looking at software. Or we got to get the product. We'll fix it later. I think that technique is no longer going to work. Much strategy prevails over little strategy. So there is no strategy Cannot be defeated. Much strategy per fail, prevails. Excuse me. Over little strategy. So those with no strategy cannot but be defeated. So if your approach is construct, maintain, 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 we're going to have a problem. <laughs> Maybe your approach should be architect, analyze, design, assemble. And that speed that we're looking at is something that is the issue that's there. Therefore, it is said that the victorious warriors win first and then go to war, while the defeated warriors go to war first and then seek to win. This is what strategy is all about, essentially building a plan that is flexible, malleable in a hyper-competitive world. It is not static, but it's a baseline for addressing and managing the continuous change and the continuous competitive environment that is changing in the world today. And the baseline for addressing that is what we're going to be discussing. So let's look at the word for a second once, a mo- once again. Sometimes people call it a strategy. Some people call it strategic thinking. Some people call it a strategic and use the word plan behind it. And some people use a word that I, I enjoy for... A reason that you'll see in just a moment, a stratagem. Well, a stratagem, if you look that word up, is a plan or a scheme. (laughs) It's a trick. (laughs) And basically, when that's your strategy, eventually most organizations, most people, most activities will be found out. What's the old phrase in politics? The cover-up is worse than the crime most of the time. (laughs) That's there. So, what is the purpose of this strategy? The purpose is to provide direction, concentration of effort, a constancy of purpose, and flexibility. And of course, the new word out there today is agility. I can use either one as the business consistently moves to improve its position to strategic areas. I'm using the word business generally. It could be the organization, it could be the mission, the value propositions if it's a public sector or private sector organization. So when it comes to strategy, the first thing we're looking at is a direction. We're going here. Then there is a focus, sometimes a laser-like focus to get there, to ignore distractions that we're seeing. A constancy of purpose. What is the objective we're trying to meet? Measurable objective. In six months, two months, five days, three days, 20 hours, one day. Strategy isn't just for a 10-year period. This is one of the things that we have to start looking at. And when we have the privilege of working with organizations on their approaches like this, we look at six-week cycles now as putting together a formal plan. It doesn't mean things may not change during that period of time, but it's sort of like a, a continuous forcing of refresh. Now, Some people say, well, that, that's too fast or too slow. Well, what is the right measure? What is the right measure? So what we need to do is focus on what needs to be done now to position in the future. So there's an as-is state and there's a desired state. It sounds kind of simple, doesn't it? An as-is state and there's a desired state. We have to get there. Well, people say, well, I don't know what the desired state is. Well, if that's the case, you better put your hand over your wallet because you know it's going to cost you a lot of money. There has to be some objective that you're trying to achieve are we going to build a 100-story building or are we going to build a 10-story building um well why don't we start and figure it out as we go along just think about that for a moment you can't even do that you can't even it's it's not feasible it's just not feasible we don't know how deep to dig the hole in the ground if you're still not figuring out whether you've got a 100-story building or a 10-story building Well, it's the same thing true with enterprises. It's the same thing that's true with software. It's the same thing that we have to recognize in the strategic hyper-competitive world that we're in. We have to sort of set a direction and go there. So what we're trying to do here is to look at probably five different characteristics. One is to provide a formula to enable the business to successfully compete. What is it about our DNA, so to speak, that makes us unique, that we can use to leverage that particular approach that's there. And we have to leverage that. We need to provide a clear statement of direction. What are we trying to achieve? Improve productivity, value your employees, value your customers is not a strategy. That's a bunch of platitudes that are there. We have to recognize that. There's no measure, there's no time frame, just a bunch of feel-good statements that are there. Principles of direction, I sometimes call it. Well, principles are wonderful things. And if I ever see a principle that says our objective is to make sure that our customers are dissatisfied, then I will start believing that principles are enough to figure out where we want to go. And, of course, we, we'll probably never see that. I hope we don't. Third thing we have to recognize. We have to have a context or a frame of reference for all strategic actions. If we do this, then we can do this. If we do this, we can do that, but we can't do this. If we can't do this, what are the objectives or strategies that we can use to mitigate that understanding that's there? So it gives us the ability to do what-if analysis. And it could be very dynamic on a daily, meet, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, depending on the dynamics of our organization that's there. Enable autonomous but coordinated actions by the empowered people in the organization. In other words, it can't come from the top, from an execution standpoint completely. There has to be coordinated actions by various groups, departments, divisions, organizations that work in a whole, and there has to be a baseline to understand what those interactions are. And if there's a change in direction in one part of the organization or one group or one approach, we have to do some what-if analysis to figure out what the effect is on the rest of the organization there. And that, of course, is to make sure that there's no unintended consequences as we move forward. And finally, the objective is to assure the long-term positioning of the organization for success. Not a weekly or daily, monthly thing, but whatever the time frame is that we're looking at, the objective is to keep moving forward in this hyper-competitive world. And with the Internet, as we all know nowadays especially, comes good and bad. One of the great things that occurred, of course, is that distance and time has shrunk to zero. Distance and time have almost shrunk to zero. One of the bad things that occurred is distance and time has almost shrunk to zero. And one of the other things we know about the Internet is one of the great things about the Internet is anybody can write anything about anything, and one of the massive problems, the massive problems with the Internet right now is anybody can write anything about anything. So we can see here how with this fluidity, it's a whole new environment that we have to essentially understand. One day we're competing with this organization. Another we're competing in this organization. Uh, if we're a government institution or a government sector organization or, or nonprofit or charity We were looking at a certain set of activities one day. Now we're looking at something different. The dynamic nature will not change. And strategy is about putting together a series of explicit representations that are human consumable to understand cause and effect, what if analysis, and do essentially alternatives before the actual change is made that's there. Now, from a more pragmatic standpoint, what we're looking for is a a a find-a-way short of brute force (laughs) to accomplish one's ends. Now, brute force works for a period of time. We've got to recognize that, but not for very long. But from a business perspective, what we're actually talking about here is to gain advantage, whatever the advantage is in our organization. The one with more advantages over time wins. The one with fewer advantages Adva- advantages, excuse me, loses. The purpose of strategy then is to building, build and s- sustain these advantages. We need to build them and sustain them. And the best strategy, of course, is very strong. And that's a quote from von Clausewitz, who's another very um, a, a person that people quote a lot about when it comes to strategy. Uh, you know, as we see it. So as we look at things, the first thing we have to do is to recognize what are our competitive advantages that are out there? Do we have any? How can we harness them? Do we need to augment them? Do we need to gain some more? Are we sort of okay right now? That's a, that's a dangerous position. The word okay is just that, okay. But what happens tomorrow as we see it? And of course, there's a value chain that we see right now because the marketplace is changing so dynamically that's out there. And if we look at it, everyone is getting into everyone else's businesses right now. There is no lanes uh, that we sometimes see there. Today, you have a partner. Tomorrow, they're a competitor. Or tomorrow, they're a competitor. Today, they're a partner. And we see this going on in, in lots of different industries You know, as we, uh, as we move forward. It's a fascinating dynamic when we start looking at it, but the word strategy, is something that guides our organization. And everyone needs a little bit of guidance if you're more than one person in your organization. I'm chuckling because even one person organization may need some guidance that's there because once you write things down, so to speak, you have a clearer view of what that actually means. But of course, as the organization grows and becomes essentially a worldwide organization in some cases, or if you're in one location and there's 500 or 1,000 people, you realize that explicit representations that are human-consumable, and nowadays those human-consumable representations probably need to be in less than 90 seconds, are going to be that more vital. You're listening to Sam Holtzman. This is the 2020s Enterprise, and we're talking about strategy. And we are tweeting uh, as we do our broadcast at samholtzman.com. S-A-M-H-O-L-C-M-A-N. I pronounce my last name Holzman, but ease of looking at it, Sam Holkman. We'll see you back here in a few minutes and continue talking about strategy.
0: Is your organization in the Internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together. To jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. You are listening to The Twenty Twenties Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email. To Sam at E-A-C-O-E org. That's Sam at E-A-C-O-E org. Now, back to the 2020s Enterprise.
1: Enabling business strategy in the hyper-competitive digital world. Hopefully on the break you practice that phrase at your next cocktail conversation or non-adult beverage party that you're going to Pretty impressive when you go and say somebody, you know, we were just studying the uh, business strategy in this hyper-competitive digital world we're in. Now, what did you do yesterday? Well, I had a taco. You know, it's a little bit different, but uh, that's what it's about. It's a mouthful of phrase, but it really is kind of important that we, uh, we keep looking at it. My email address for those of you that want to contact me is sam at eacoe.org, sam at eacoe.org. More than happy to chat with anyone on the topics that they see here. Uh, of course, after our show and any time during the week, uh, be more than happy to do that. And once again, we're tweeting at Sam Holzman, H O L C M A N. That's why I pronounce it holcman for those of you. Sam, S A M H O L C M A N. If anyone is looking at the Twitter world right now, so the struggle for a business or an organization is the struggle for advantage. Maintain that advantage posture that's there. Decades ago was a little bit different, of course, as we see it right now. So, the objective of our organizations is to build new advantages, elongate those advantages, and, of course, reduce the disadvantages that we see here. Building new competitive advantages, elongating those advantages so we can stay competitive for a longer period of time to increase our return on investments that's there or reduce the disadvantages. And there are a ton of different things that we can do. And this is why we have to put a plan together, some kind of a descriptive representation of what we want to do. I'm just going to list some of these and give you just a brief understanding of some of these during our broadcast today. One of the advantages could be Alignment with our customers, we're aligning with our customers or our stakeholders or our citizenry and when it comes to the governments, you know, better than that. And we've been working with an organization, uh, not, out, not here in the U.S., uh, I can't speak exactly who that is, uh, but basically what they're trying to do here is to make sure that the citizens are being served in a consistent manner anywhere they are in this particular Uh, uh, country that they're there. What a fantastic idea that's there. But those values are not consistent across the country, as we can probably guess. So we need to align with the needs that are out there. We need to look at a business model. In other words, what is the approach that we have? A representation of what the things that we're trying to understand. And another advantage that we can have is the capabilities that we can have, the processes that we use, and how we essentially solve organizational issues or satisfy demands that are out there. Another advantage we have is our ability to manage and lead change. Managing change is a little bit different than leading change that's out there. Our organization may be designed to help meet those needs and help our constituents through those changing needs that are out there. Another advantage we could have is commitment to purpose. Everyone knows that this is the objective that we have and the organization can be relied upon that. It's sort of like the benchmark that we have out there. All organizations, all people have core competencies and elaborating those and magnifying those are a tremendous strategy that's out there. We are the best, not self-declared, but through evidence and agreement in this particular organization the activity or this particular approach to products or services or strategies or advisories, et cetera, et cetera, that's out there. We have economies of design that can be a competitive advantage that's out there. We can solve things for organizations with the least possible investment in the shortest amount of time. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Well, you can build a strategy around that particular approach. Our advantage could be understanding the gaps for organizations or market conditions and filling those gaps better than anyone else that's out there. We can essentially have a strategy about leveraging things that are out there today. We can take A and B and put them together and build something that's C prime that's five times the singular effects of each one of those that may be out there. Our advantage may be a market leader or a thought leader. Now, to maintain that, obviously things have to be done. Everyone looks at this organization as the leader in this particular market segment, this particular approach, this particular product that's out there. And we can build a strategy around that particular approach that's out there. We can have a a strategic advantage of positioning that's out there. We're always going to be number two. Yes, that could be a strategy. We're not the leader. We're the tremendously talented follower. Sometimes people say that's a pretty good strategy. Let the leader take the arrows in the back, so to speak, and we'll sit there and sort of clean up on that. And we can bring something to market or bring an approach that may be just as good for less money. It's out there. We can be the leader or strategic objective of the highest quality that's out there. And we saw that, of course, a few decades past in the automobile industry, how that dynamically changed things that are out there. And most of us, if you have an automobile, don't even think about the quality aspects anymore because that's almost a given. It's part of the process as we sometimes see it that's there. Our advantage may be reuse or reengineering of assets. We may be able to look at things in a different way and put a new spin on it, a quality spin, a product spin, a cost spin, on things that are out there. And that's the strategic leverage that we have. We can take things and move them around very, very quickly um, that's out there. Where our advantage may be, our strategic approach may be part of a value chain. We can plug in to various other organizations or approaches or techniques or processes that are out there. And of course, one of the advantages that we could have is being a, quote, visionary, unquote. We are not only the market leader, but we're also someone that can look at the future activities and predict with a high degree of confidence where things could be, and we can meet that predictability by products or services or approaches or techniques or methods as we see them. So all of those types of things could be kind of advantages that we have or we can build, and all of those are strategic differentiators but they're all different strategies. Now, if somebody says, Well, we got to do all of that stuff, I got a bridge that I can sell you. You got to sort of make sure that you understand the difficulties of going in N directions where N is a lot. Because some of these things may actually be conflicting. And that's once again why explicit representations of that strategy is there. Well, if we want to be the market leader, it's going to be hard for us to be the lowest cost producer. I don't know if that's correct or not in every case, but we've got to think through those things as we move forward. So there's a number of dimensions about these advantages that we're looking at. One, of course, on the top of most people's minds, whether we like it or not, is cost. What's this going to cost? Can we actually exist if we go in this particular direction? In other words, can we make at least one cent more? And if we're a an uh, a, a, a organization that is not-for-profit or government entity, what is the value of that particular service or product or assistance versus what other things that we can do? One of the dimensions of advantage could be value-added focus. What we're going to be doing is looking at things and essentially putting some things on there. So, for example, just for most of us out there, If you have a a smartphone, there's somebody that has come up with different types of cases that go on the smartphones that are out there. So that's the value-added proposition. First to market, when a new cell phone comes out, brings a competitive advantage that's there and various types of approaches that we can see. Our competitive advantage, one of the more uh, activities that we may have there is our ability to execute consistently and effectively, not only thinking about what to do, but we can actually demonstrate consistently time and time again that we can take that strategy and actually enable it better than anyone else through execution. And then one of the other things that we find very important today is the concept of maneuverability. Being able to have an understanding that things are not static And we can move in various directions. We call that concept essentially maneuverability. Being able to look at things and change directions to make sure that we understand and we can compete in that new environment. So we need these competitive advantages because there are active and reactive competitors who wish to win the same prize. (laughs) Whether it's a new customer, a new product, a new service, A new application, a new system, a new whatever. There are people out there who wish to win the same thing. That's what competition is about. I know it's sometimes difficult to talk about these things, but we've got to because there are, unfortunately, winners and losers. And the objective, essentially, is to win more than 51% of the time or else we're going to have a problem. Without competition the conduct of business reduces to an administrative problem. Wouldn't that be nice sometimes? But there will be competition that's out there. And nowadays, it comes from everywhere, as we all know. So while the end purpose of strategy is to win, whether it's a customer, a product, a service, a process, a technique, a method, the reason for strategy is the competitive environment. If we didn't have a competitive environment, you wouldn't need a strategy. You could just Come along and sing a song and everything would be great. So strategy must focus on the concept of satisfying the client, the customer, the constituent, the activity that's there, while contesting the competitors. So it's a dual-edged sword that we're looking at. It's not only what we can do internally, but externally to keep others at bay, essentially, that's there. And this whole concept is what we refer to as a sustainable competitive advantage. That's what really strategy is all about, a sustainable competitive advantage. And that is understanding the resources, the capabilities, the assets, the processes. All of those are part of a sustainable competitive advantage that provides us with a distinct attraction To our customers, our products, our services, and a unique advantage over the the competition. That's really what we're looking at. So the sustainable competitive advantage is a combination of all these resources and capabilities and assets and processes and, yes, technology nowadays. It's all part of that particular advantage approach that we're looking for. Again, that's what that word strategy means in this hyper-competitive environment that we're in. And within that, there's a number of things we can look at. One is the customer perception. And that would be a c- customer or a partner or a constituent or whatever you're calling the individuals or the groups that you need to satisfy. And that perception has a consistent difference in the acquisition approach. They look at the percep us whoever us is, and say consistently they provide tremendous value that's there. There is a linkage with that advantage to the sustainable kind of advantages that are there. People can see why. It's not just a belief or an opinion. They can see, man, this organization has these attributes that will make this partnership great over time. Another thing that has is durability. There's a length there. As things change, we see the partnerships growing. There's a transparency. People can see how this is happening. There's not a magic curse that's out there. There's not a silver bullet. There is an understanding that the mechanics, the details are difficult to duplicate and difficult to replicate. And that's why You, I, we become the one with the advantage that's out there. Now, from the standpoint of competition, it's difficult for the competitor to access the required resources to mimic our advantage. Otherwise, we don't have an advantage that's out there. They would also have difficulty in replicating that advantage. That's why we'd have this concept of a sustainability that's there. And then, finally, the coordination of all these things in our organization. There's difficult sometimes, but sometimes there's subtle coordination between process, methods, activities, data, technology, people, marketing, finance, approaches. All of these coordinated activities that lead us in a direction that is difficult for people to duplicate. So that's what this concept of strategy is all about building a competitive environment that is difficult to duplicate. Now, historically, people have been in this area for quite some time, hundreds and hundreds of years. There's always been competitive environments. And if you go back to the uh, Sun Tzu days, some of it was a little nasty. It was conquering people. Uh, versus uh, com- competition, which is a little less uh, bloodletting <laughs> that's up there. But the concept of strategic thinking is something that's been around for quite some time. What hasn't been around is strategic thinking in the hyper-competitive information age that we're in right now. And this is something that we'll be getting into in the next segment wealth flows from innovation in the information age, not just optimization. I'm not ignoring optimization, but the competitive advantage comes from innovation. And that's something that's quite a bit different than what we had to see, have seen before. So with that, we're going to take a short break. Once again, at Twitter, I'm at S-A-M-H-O-L-C-M-A-N, email sam at eacoe.org. We'll come back from the break. We'll talk about what is it that we can do today, tomorrow, to make sure that our strategy is sustainable over the next days, weeks, months, years, or decades. See you back here in a few minutes.
0: Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit pinnaclebusinessgroup.com. You are listening to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at e-a-c-o-e dot org. That's sam at e-a-c-o-e dot org. Now, back to the 2020s Enterprise.
1: Welcome back, and we're chatting about enabling business strategy in this hyper-competitive digital world. And what we've done in the first two segments, I hope, is to sort of demystify this word strategy for you. It's not some academic thing that sits in the Uh, ivory towers, so to speak, that uh, people with plaid coats and skinny ties wear. It's a practical approach to building an explicit representation of where you or your colleagues or the organization wants to go. And there are two things we need to understand, where you want to go, the desired state, and where you are, the as-is state. And we can sort of build a roadmap. Now, that concept in the physical world has been around forever. Well, ever maybe is too long, but for a long, long time. And underlying that is the concept of explicit representations that are formalized through the word architecture. Architecture. Now, this is something we have to think about. It's the enabler of strategies over the past billions of years, so to speak, if you have complexity. So if you're building a log cabin, don't need much architecture. Well, building a shed, you don't need much architecture. Building a hundred story building, it's a whole different thing. It's the baseline for addressing and managing change. Architecture is the enabler of business strategy, series of explicit representations that we need to understand. So from a historical perspective, we suggest to you the same practices are necessary to build complex things in the physical world are now necessary in building the information or the digital world in the hyper competitive environment that's there. When do we need these things? When some things are simple? No, when things are complex. When do we need these things? When things are changing slowly? No. When things are changing rapidly is when we need this. Wait a minute. Well We don't have time to do this. Time is an element of implementation of our strategy, not at the speed of change. This is one of the things we have to start recognizing There's a lot of misunderstanding about this concept, this word architecture, as this laborious thing that takes a long time and is a plotting approach that's out there. We don't have time for this. We got to get this thing out the door. We'll figure it out later that's out there. Well, we're seeing some of the consequences of these things all the time. It is not about the speed of change. It is about how we address change, how we build things in a changing environment. That's the thing we haven't studied very much. So our perception is in this new hyper-competitive information, digital-rich world, we don't have time for this concept of architecture. I just want you to sit back for a moment and say to yourself and say to your people in your organization is this thing that we're doing have a complexity of a 100-story building or a shed in the backyard? The physical analogy is so easy to see. Forget about the but-but-butts that are going to occur, but ask that question. Is the complexity that we're facing, is the competitive environment that we're facing, is the competition out there, is the product activities out there as complex or 100-story building or is it complex as a little shed in our backyard. And if it's the former, then you better do some architecture. The question is, what is it in this digital information enterprise world that's out there? And what we're going to see, I believe, more and more, is if an enterprise starts failing and people get hurt, someone will demand to see the blueprints How did we get there? And we're seeing some of these things going on right now and the horrible tragedies that have occurred as of late, uh, especially uh, if you look at some of the things over the past few months, the Boeing 737 MAX situation. Just think about the costs of that. Now, people will say, Sam, you're arguing with yourself here. Well, they, of course, use architecture to build those products. Yes. Well, it failed. It failed. Well, we don't know exactly what failed, but we can tell you what's going to be done to fix it, and that's by going back to the blueprints, going back to the architectural drawings, the requirements definition, the use cases, the modelings that are out there, all the assumptions that were made, and figure out what went wrong, and they're going to be able to fix it. And there are six things that we have to understand, not just one. When it comes to this digital information world, And those things are what, how, where, who, when, and why. What, how, where, who, when, and why. If you don't write things down in that, uh, of those elements, those six elements, it doesn't mean they're not there. It means that you're making guesses about them. Let me emphasize that again. If you're not writing them down, it doesn't mean they're not there. It means you're guessing. And this is what we have to recognize. And any one of those could become a gotcha that's there. And we can go back historically and see the effect of this if a building fails and people get hurt someone will demand to see the architecture and increase regulations and in the information age and the enterprise age if an enterprise fails and people get hurt so to speak someone will demand eventually to see the architecture and increase regulation that's what we're going to be facing it's going to happen it's happening now So in the industrial age, we were seeing that the fundamental understanding requirement was through this concept of architecture and building in the physical world, machines and structures is now equivalent to building in the information age world, building enterprises, building organizations with teams and processes and software. The parallels are there. I want to emphasize again. It is not about the speed of change that is causing us these issues. It is that our products aren't built with the recognition that change in the hyper-competitive digital world is almost constant. And the things that we're building need to have that characteristic of change as an element in its design. You design in the physical world in an automobile for repairability, it's a function of technology, but it also is an engineering design objective. You design for fuel economy. You design for safety. It's not just a function of technology. It's something that is inherent in the strategy of the product, so to speak. Yes, products have strategy. Now, they come from the human element in most cases. So, those are built in that's there. So, if somebody says... Our objective is to ensure that no person is injured inside a vehicle in an automobile crash that is 30 miles per hour or less. That is an engineering design objective. It doesn't tell us how we're going to do it, but then we can have a traceability from that owner's intent, the business intent, through an understanding of transformations, not decompositions, but transformations, to the end product. We can see that traceability and transparency. So if something goes wrong, we can figure out what actually happened that's there. And with these comes the concept of explicit representations for the various stakeholders in our organization. Various stakeholders, whether you call them customers, whether you call them constituents, whether you call them whatever, That's what we're looking at. And a minimum of two things is required to figure out where you want to go. Once again, coming back to this concept that sounds a little silly, but we need a desired state and an as-is state. And a roadmap is a line and two points that define the line. And that is not going to go away. If you have a starting point, but you have no end, you have... Waste, entropy, chaos. You can't iterate to some place you don't know where you want to be going to. You can think you're going in the right direction, but maybe you're going in circles. This concept of iterative understanding without an endpoint doesn't make any sense when you think about it. Well, how do you know when you're done? I know when we're done. It's the end of the year, or we ran out of money. (laughs) Or launch date is October 57th, or whatever the date is that's out there. Trying to bring a little humor into this, but it's very serious, of course. So two pieces of information are required to change the business, also just like on a map, just like on a, a guidance in a in, in a roadmap, uh, whether it's an uh, electronic uh, 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 guidance through you know GPS or something like that, or a physical map. Here's where we want to go. Here's where we are, and we can essentially figure out what's going on, and that becomes a fact-based. Decision making process versus an assumption based decision making process. And I'm going to bet with facts every time because assumptions are just that. We all know how to spell assume, of course. So, fact based decision is what we're trying to do. And that comes through this concept of architecture. Now, inherent in that, in the physical world, is the concept of a blueprint. And some of you have seen some of this in in your physical activities there. And none of this fits on an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper or PowerPoint presentation. I have nothing against PowerPoint, by the way, but it's being misused when it comes to this. If some of you had the privilege, pleasure, or frustration in building a house, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your house is not described in an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Think about it for a moment. It's described in a scroll of drawings. Something as simple as a house compared to your business, compared to your enterprise is described in a scroll of drawings. There's a heating, ventilation, air conditioning drawing. There's the mechanical drawing. There's the electrical drawing. There's the plumbing drawing, structural drawings. All of those together give you an understanding of the house. Well, perhaps in our world of enterprises, We need that same thing. We need a series of descriptive representations to understand what that is. And in the industrial age, we knew that we're going to start building these blueprints before building and delivering anything. And In the information age, in our enterprises, we're going to need to think that same way. And a lot of organizations are thinking that way. That strategy enablement is what architecture is all about, strategy it. It's not about just building information systems. That's something different, not that it's not important, but this is the enablement of business strategy, the enablement of business strategy. And with that concept comes the phrase that unfortunately is quite misunderstood out there, and that word is enterprise architecture. Architecting the enterprise is the key to enabling the enterprise or business strategy. It's different than technology enablement, which is what we refer to as EITA Enterprise Information Technology Architecture. Not that it's wrong, it's very, very good, but it's very different than the enterprise architecture, EA versus EITA, which is the enablement of business strategy. And this concept is all over the internet, of course. And if you take a look at your um, favorite uh, lookup device, Google Google. You'll find, hopefully you're sitting down, at last count, 811 million search terms that come up when you enter enterprise architecture. Not really useful, (laughs) not really useful. And what we'll try to do in our next episode of the 2020s Enterprise is to bring some method to this madness out there briefly trace enterprise architecture back to its actual roots in 1966, provide you with a definition of what that is, and to discuss the requirements for addressing the change that we call enterprise velocity change, the change in velocity of change that's out there to provide an agile enterprise environment. Not an agile technology environment alone, but the objective is to provide an agile environment that has maneuverability in this hyper-competitive environment that we're in. You've been listening to Sam my me, excuse me, 2020's Enterprise. Thank you for listening. If you want to reach out to me at sam at eacoe.org, I'd be more than happy to speak with you. Looking forward to our next episode where we'll be discussing enterprise architecture. Have a great day.